Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another lovely day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by John McGrath, founder and managing director of The Mortgage Point. The Mortgage Point is a Suffolk-based company that provides a range of services to clients in both Suffolk and Norfolk. John, hello. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the show. Uh, We might as well dive straight in. We have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, What does the word leader mean to you? Well, I think the the word leader uh, to me uh, means giving people um, a direction, um, but also giving people um, an ethos of a company um, and getting people to, uh, to go along with you rather than being forced to go along with you. Uh, those are the things that, that leadership means to me. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, I, I think um, I think looking back over the years, my style has changed, and I think the style that I have now is one of approachability, uh, one of uh, showing direction to people, uh, having one to ones with people, having conversations every day with the people within my business. Uh, in order that I can gauge any issues, any problems, um, any frustrations that people are having, uh, in order that we can actually make the working environment better for everybody concerned. So it's very important to have open lines of communication. Yes, I do believe so, because I think that there are too many managers uh, these days who sit in the ivory towers, um, and then they're very surprised when you know something serious goes wrong. Um, and the excuse is always the same that, well, why didn't somebody tell me? Why didn't I know? Where's the report on that? Uh, whereas I, I think if you have your finger on the pulse all of the time and you have good relationships with the people who work with you, um, it avoids those sort of issues coming up in the first place. Now, you say that your leadership style has evolved over time. Uh, was there any particular reason for it? Are your employees uh, of a different breed now, or uh, has it just been a personality shift in yourself? I, th- I think uh, if I look back, I-, I used to be a democratic autocrat, I, I think is the best description I can, I can <laughs> give you, uh, where I would listen to all the views, etc., and then we'd all agree that I was right in the first place. Um, <laughs> I... I I think when you work for larger companies, um, I think you have to be seen to be doing the right thing. You have to be seen to be leading. You have to have a high profile. Uh, whereas I think uh, when you have your own business uh, and you have other people within that, involved within that business, uh, I think you take a different approach because being an autocratic Democrat doesn't really work uh, within small SMEs. Uh, you need the people on side. Uh, you need the people to be able to approach you, uh, you know, regardless of what time of day it is or how busy you are. You need to have an open line to people all the time because that's when issues, problems occur uh, and you can nip them in the bud very early on. Uh, I prefer to deal with things as they happen and as they evolve rather than suddenly, you know, at the end of a three month period, you find it's a massive problem uh, and then it's too late to actually do anything about it because from there on in you're firefighting really. Do you believe that it's uh, more difficult to lead a smaller team than a larger one because of the close proximity? No, I don't. I don't. Um, even if you're leading a, a larger team, uh, I think the methods that I use and the way that I approach my, my work uh, would work whether it's a large team or a small team. I have in the past managed large teams. 
Um, and I think, it, again, it's about getting to know each one of them individually, uh, getting to know the strengths and their weaknesses, uh, but again, being open to them, you know, contacting you. Um, as the managing director, that title alone can be scary for people. Um, so I, I don't, I never talk in, per, uh, in terms of people who work for me. I always talk in terms of people who work with me. Uh, if they work with you, you're going to achieve more than if they work for you. Because if people are constantly looking uh, at their back and wondering if they're going to get in trouble or should I tell him this or should I report that or should I make them aware of this, uh, people are always concerned that, that they're going to end up in the firing line. So instead of doing any of that, they just don't see anything. Um, and in my experience, anything bad that's happened or is happening comes out eventually anyway. Uh, and there's not a lot you can do about that, as I said, you know, three, six months down the line. So you're better off working with people, not working, having people working for you. So it almost makes them feel more at ease and gives them a sense of uh, ownership in the uh, corporation. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I think that people understand uh, that, that in our particular business, um, the quality of service that we provide to clients is what will keep clients uh, coming back to see us time and time again. We're, we're very much a company who deal with referrals from existing clients, uh, but also with existing clients who come back in two years or three years uh, to, in order to do more business with us. The people who work with me within this business um, put the company first before they put themselves. And what I mean by that is, is that the company has to have uh, a good brand, but also it has to have a reputation for excellence. And it's the people who work within the organization who have to give it that. So they understand that, that anything that they do may well, you know, damage them, but ultimately also damages the company. And everybody's focused on making sure that that doesn't happen. Let's go back to an earlier time in your career when you were first starting. Was there an individual who you either worked for or with who who has inspired your leadership style today? Um, I would say yes. Uh, I, I worked for um, uh, a regional manager very early on in my career when I worked for a large insurance company as a, as a branch manager. Um, and he understood uh, that getting people to come along with you was a lot easier to, to get the results required than if you forced people to come along with you. Uh, but he was also wise enough to know that um, different people have different talents. Uh, some people need, need a lot of management input. Others need very, very little. I was one of those who needed very, very little. So I was left to just get on and do what I did best, which was to manage my operation. Um, and the reason I was able to do that was because of the results. If the results were coming at the end of the day, uh, then it isn't broken, so why try and fix it? Sometimes, uh, I think, uh, some managers, uh, they try very hard to have clones of themselves in, in their, their individual operations, and that, that never works. So my, my first regional manager was very much an inspiration to me because he allowed me to use my skills and my expertise uh, with people and with business in order to uh, get the end result my way. Uh, so for me, that, that helped enormously, and it really did color my thinking throughout the rest of my career. That's actually an interesting point that you bring up about the next generation of leaders. How do you encourage leadership amongst your staff uh, without trying to force your own way on them? Well, I think that uh, when you have people work for you, over, over a period of time, uh, you get to know them as individuals, you get to know their strengths, you get to know their weaknesses. Um, 
some people uh, don't want leadership. Some people aren't built for leadership. Uh, and it's very easy to spot the ones who, who do because they're the ones that, that take an interest in not just the day-to-day, you know, uh, Monday tasks, as it were, that they're, they're carrying out on their day-to-day jobs, but who will offer uh, ideas, who will offer innovations to you with regards to the business, you know, how we can make this better, could we do it that way in order to do this and get this result, et cetera. Um, so natural leaders will always be natural leaders, um, but I think it's what makes a good manager from the bad manager, I think, um, is the way they go about that. The, the, the persona that they have when they go about it and how they actually deal with, with people. It's very, very easy. If everybody knows you're the boss um, and uh, everybody then sort of treats you in that way, but you then, if you like, you exaggerate that by making sure, you know, that, that everybody, as it were, stands to attention when you come into the room. To me, that is not the way to do it. When I go into uh, one of my offices, uh, people are glad to see me. They're glad to have sit down, have a cup of tea with me, have a general chit-chat about their life and that sort of stuff. Um, and and I, I think with, with some managers, they don't do that. Work is the start, the middle, and the end, whereas I have more interest in the personal lives of, 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 of the people I work with uh, and how things are going there. Because, you know, like anything else, people will go wrong or will have things go wrong with their personal lives, which affects their work life. So if they know they can come to talk to you about personal issues or personal problems that they're having, and you can help them solve those, overall that is good for the business as well. Well, it seems it's uh, that's the difference between a manager and a leader. Uh, a leader looks into uh, the, the lives of the people uh, who he leads. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time. But before I let you go, uh, what does the next 12 months have in store for the Mortgage Point? Uh, well, we are, uh, we are uh, looking at the moment to uh, recruiting more staff, uh, which is a sort of an ongoing thing anyway. Uh, but we're also looking to opening at least one more office uh, in this part of the world this year. Um, and just to make sure that we are uh, uh, making the, the business as a whole grow and develop in the way that we want it to develop. And that people working within the business are actually you know, developing themselves as individuals within that business as well. But that's an ongoing thing. It's not something that we, we say. Um, I think one of the key things here within my business, which, which isn't really you know, uh, normal in a business. I don't have individual targets and goals for my people. They set their own individual targets and goals and, uh, you know, 99% of the time they exceed those. Because I think if you set people targets, it affects the quality of the business that is being written, mm-hmm. which ultimately affects the quality of the businesses on, on, uh, as it's, uh, on its own. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. Uh, we have to have you back on the show very soon to give us an update. Um, John, thank you. You're more than welcome. That was John McGrath, founder and managing director of The Mortgage Point. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team 
when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He, um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over the years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you 
that the business is well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Grease in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. 
And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. out. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that, that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It's too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who 
who asked the question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses itself, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, a laugh that If you could put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely mm. 
you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is showed, team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, um, 
thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Bruce. Good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.